Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from King of Faith Church. This message is by Gary Rumbold. We are going to look at 2 Samuel chapter 6, but it's going to be a little bit, just a little bit later on. Uh, before we're going to, going to do that this morning, we're going to remind ourselves just a little bit of the back history. And um, there's some scriptures in there that just kind of link together. And by God's grace, I will take us through... Uh, a flow, a flow of things, and then, we'll, then we will get to the passage eventually. It's not going to be too long before we land in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Is that all right? Let's just pray. Father, I thank you for today. Father, I thank you that you're good. You've got good things for us. Father, you've got strength for us. You've got encouragement for us. Father, you've got wisdom for us. Father, you've got stuff that you're going to want to challenge in our own hearts and and, and attitudes and things. Father, I thank you that all your works are good and all your ways are good. Amen. So, starting a bit of the back history now. The the Ark of the Covenant contained, as we know, the Ten Commandments given by God to Moses. So the Ark was supposed to be kept in the most holy place, a sacred part of the tabernacle that only the high, high priests could enter once a year. And in 1 Samuel 4, verse 3, there's a really interesting passage here. When the soldiers returned to camp, the elders of Israel asked, why did the law bring defeat upon us today before the Philistines? Now, if you notice the words that are going to come next, it's really, it really signifies, I think, whenever we try and initiate things in our own strength, We try and do stuff in our own strength. Let us bring the ark of the Lord's covenant from Shiloh, so that it may go well with us and save us from the hand of our enemies. When man initiates things in his own strength, it ultimately is a dead work. Yeah? So... This is the reality of what, what's happened. I love Proverbs because you always, you, always, you always connect it with the one in Proverbs. It just lines up with everyone. It says, Proverbs fourteen twelve. it says, There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. See, it, it seemed right to man. Let's do things out of God's order. Let's bring something. Let, let's work out our own plan of salvation, but ultimately it leads to death. So the Israelites rightly recognized the holiness of the ark, but they thought that the ark itself, the wood and the metal in the box, was their source of power. See, they, begin to, they began to use it as a good luck charm, expecting it to protect them from their, from their enemies. Let's will the ark out. Doesn't matter what our lives are like, doesn't matter what's going, going on in our lives, let's just will the ark out. Let's do it in our, all our own strength. See, a symbol of God does not guarantee his presence or power. Their attitude toward the ark came perilously close to idol worship. When the ark was captured by their enemies, they thought that Israel's glory was gone and that God had deserted him. It's just an important note to make here. God uses his power according to his own wisdom and his will. Yeah? He responds to to the faith of those who seek him. What had happened at this point in time? But Israel had turned away from God and was clinging to only a form of godliness, a symbol, a form of victories. 
There's somewhere in Timothy, isn't it? It says, you know, there's a form of godliness. Everything looks right on the outside, but in the inside, people's lives are a mess. It's a form. See, the Israelites wrongly assumed that because God had given them victory in the past, he would do it again, even though they had strayed far from him. The ark was now captured by the Philistines. Not a great day for Israel. The Philistines set the ark in pride of place right next to their temple god called Dagon. So we're pulling a little bit of the Old Testament in here now, but it's fine. We'll just go on this journey. So Dagon was the chief god of the Philistines, whom they believed sent rain and assured a bountiful harvest. But the Philistines, like most of their pagan neighbours, worshipped many gods. So their idea is, we'll just grab, this, we'll just grab this, this god and we'll put him in our temple, because we've got lots of them. You know, it's like victory by numbers. Do you know what I mean? That, that was their kind of their, their understanding. That's why they wanted the ark, thinking that, it, that if it helped the Israelites, it could help them. If it's done a good job with them, it can do a good job with us. Little did they know what was about to happen to them. Da, 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 da. Yes, it's not things are going to go too well from this moment in time. Um, when they arrived next morning to worship, the statue was found fallen face down before the ark of the Lord. I always think of the victory of Jesus. I always think of every knee shall bow. Do you know what I mean? The victory of the, he has triumphed over every enemy and they're going to bow. You know, they have no option in his presence, in a sense. They put the statue back in its place and came back the following morning, only to find the statue fallen to the ground again. This time with its head and hands cut off. I think that's funny. It's, that's just funny. Um, it's almost like, you know, there's, there ain't going to be two, two gods on this platform. There's only one, and his name's the Lord Almighty. Yeah? See, this, this wasn't chance. This was God showing who he was. Why? Because the head is the seat of wisdom. He cut his head off. And the hands are the instrument of action. Both are cut off to show that Dagon had neither wisdom nor strength to defend himself against um, himself or his worshippers. Doesn't matter how many statues you stick up there, it ain't going to work. <laughs> See, cut, cut off his head, it signifies the wisdom. Cut off his hands, the actions. Can't do anything. Now, it starts getting really rough now for the Philistines. But when the people living nearby began to get sick and die, the Philistines realised that the ark was not a good omen. It was a source of greater power than they had ever seen, power that they could not control. In 1 Samuel 5, um, it, it starts to get a little bit, you know, I just, when you look, look at the word of God and look at the Old Testament, you see these, sometimes these strange things, um, God using cows and things, and we're going, to end, we're going to go there in a minute. Um, so they called together all the rulers of the Philistines and said... <laughs> send the ark of God of Israel away. Let it go back to its own place or it will kill us and our people. For death had filled the city with panic. God's hand was very heavy upon it. And leading up to those chapters, what happened is is they, it doesn't matter what city they sent it to, they all came out in boils and tumours and everything like that, didn't they? And um, there was, there is, for me, there's, there isn't comedy. I actually look at this and think this is the mercy of God because he could have wiped them out. But this is the mercy of God. If you, if you stem, step back and look at the big picture, this is God being merciful to, to the Philistines. 
And um, what is funny is, is there, there was one um, uh, leader f- uh, of a city, and, uh, and, they say, and they basically said, you know, we'll give him to you. And he says, don't give it to me. Don't you like, you know, don't you like me? Don't give it to me. Just get rid of the thing. You know, it was, it was kind of that thing. Don't you? And so what happened from that? For death had filled the city with panic, and God's hand was very heavy upon it. The Philistine priests and diviners devised a test to see if God was really the one who caused their recent troubles. Two cows who had just given birth were hitched to a cart, and they were sent towards Israel's border, carrying the Ark of the Covenant. See, for a cow to leave her a nursing calf, she would have to go against all her motherly instincts. Only God who has power over the natural order, could cause this to happen. See, God sent the cows to Israel, not to pass the Philistine test, but to show show them that he's he's almighty. It wasn't just to pass a test. And when you actually look at the the scriptures, it says that they were were mooing. I know, it's mooing. It makes me laugh. Moo, moo. They're just on on their journey. They land land up. you know, in, actually in Israel. Now, so we, we're just, so that's just a little bit of a back history. So man, man basically tries to do things in his way and, and, and see, then see what happens. Now, Israel mourned, <clears throat> sorrow gripped the nation, and for 20 years the ark was put away like an unwanted box in an attic, and it seems as if the Lord had abandoned his people. The ark sat, the ark sat there for many years, and now we fast forward to the very point of 2 Samuel 6, 1 to 15. You ready for this? That's just the little introduction. Okay, that's just the introduction. 2 Samuel 6. I know there's, a far, there's far more, you know, in Scripture there, but, you know, in those latter parts, but we're not going to go there now. Here goes. David again brought together out of Israel chosen men, 30,000 in all. He and all his men sat out from Bala of Judah to bring up from, from there the ark of God, which is called by the name. I love that. It's called by the name. The name that's above every other name. It's called by the name. The name of the Lord Almighty is enthroned between the cherubim that are on the ark. They set the ark of God, of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, this is now whether I, I realise I've got my, uh, my proper teeth in this morning, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the, the, the new cart with the ark of God on it. And Ahio was walking in front of it. David and the whole of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with songs and harps and lyres and, and sistrums. So... Can, can you imagine the picture? David is so excited. This was a major event. You don't pull 30,000 people out <laughs> just for a little bit of a jolly. This was a major event. David was excited about the restoration of the ark being brought back to Jerusalem, Israel's capital city. David chooses 30,000 of his best men. This is going to be an amazing day. David was prophetic in his understanding of Jerusalem. Jerusalem will be the focal point of the world's attention. The prophetic promises of God's holy city will come to a climax at the end of the age. You get this wonderful scene where Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Indibad. Now Uzzah, actually his name means strength. 
That's what his name, name means. So when you, when you picture what happens now, man put out his hand in strength, in his own strength. Do you see, do you see that? So his name is strength. You get this wonderful scene where Uzzah and Ahiah, sons of Edom, are guiding the ark. A hero is out in front. You can imagine, you can imagine, I could, I'm just going to do it now because I think it's funny. You can imagine, he's got the ark behind him, he's just waving. You know what I mean? He's just waving, he's just waving to everybody. He's just, just like this, you know what I mean? And there's the celebration and the sound of it. Um, and also, you know, his brother's at the side, and I'm, I would imagine that Uzzah's also, also waving. And, uh, you know, what, what they, what, what's happening? Now, Ahio's name means friendly. You can imagine him, yes, this, this, this was, you know, what's he doing? You know, you can imagine the pride in the man's heart. This was, this was, in, uh, this was in my house. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? This, this was in our house. You know, he's doing this royal wave to, to everybody as they, as they come forward. Um, he's doing this parade and this, this sense of pride. So you can hear the sound there, accelerating with all their might, with songs, harps, lyres, timbrels, cisterns, and cymbals. But when they came to the fleshing floor of Nacon, it's like a, just a raised rock. When they came to this point, Uzziah reached out, his, uh, out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. You see, if they'd have done it God's way, it wouldn't have happened in the first place. Why? Because they would have been able to cope with every rock. Do you see what I'm saying? If they'd done it God's way. Now we know this. But it's just we're going to be. It's going to be some challenge in this, and I think I w- this will be encouraging. See, the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down, and he died there beside the Ark of God. I don't. I don't I'm not reading too. I'm whether I am reading too much into this. Familiarity breeds contempt. He's, he's, he's got to the point where he's been in his house for all that time. He's familiar with the Ark. He's familiar with. He, he's actually. He's not really familiar with God. You see, so he's in his, his, you know, he reaches out, his Uzzah, strength, he reaches out in his own strength, you know, and God's like, that's not a good plan. <laughs> that was not a good plan, when, you know, for you to do that. What happens at this moment? The parade comes to a crashing halt. Imagine like the, the brakes going on. You know, you can all see all the trumpets and all folding up behind him and all the musicians, you know what I mean, where this thing has stopped. I can imagine from the exuberant praise to stunned silence. As David's now going, how can this be? How can this be? Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day that that place is called Perez Uzzah. Perez Uzzah means to burst out against Uzzah. See, David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He's asking a very, very good question at a very good point in time. There's nothing safe about God. What's happening now is God has got David's attention right in the midst of this celebration and this exuberance. I'm reminded of this scripture in Hebrews 12, 28 and 29 says, Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be destroyed, let us be thankful and please God by worshipping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. There's a reality, I think, that starts to happen in David's heart. He's realizing, hang on a minute here. Something's happened. There must be a reason for this. 
it got to that point where he was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. I think it's always funny. I've always laughed at that, but I'll move on. <coughs> Probably means something really significant, but it just makes me laugh. Um, the next, this is so simple today that everyone's going to get it, including me, all right? There's some real important lessons we can learn as we look at this story. First one, don't do the right thing in the wrong way. Why? This isn't the right way. This isn't the way that God said to carry his presence. Is there a difference between the right thing and the wrong way? Absolutely there is. Yeah? This is the thing that we need to understand. Good intentions are not enough. Yeah? See, David had the right heart. David wanted the ark uh, in the center of the city. That's not, a, that's not bad, is it? He's, you know, he's passionate about God's presence. You know, I think David's experience of like a personal revival. He's passionate about God. You know, we, we, we are impacted now by, you know, thousands of years later by the psalms and the hymns and the level of intimacy he had. You know, he had a heart after God's own heart. <clears throat> you see, even if we have God's heart and the right desire, we still need to do it God's way. And I'm going to explain something personally to me, and I hope you'll get it out of it and understand in a minute. Psalm 25, verse 9 and 10 says, <clears throat> He guides the humble in what, is, in what is right, and listen to this, and he teaches them his way. And then it says, All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful to those who keep the demands of his covenant. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful. Amen. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful to those who keep his demands of his covenant. Job 23, 11 and 12 says another wonderful thing. My feet have closely followed his steps. I've kept to his way. Without turning aside, I've not departed from the commands of his lips. I've treasured the words of his, his, of his mouth more than my daily bread. And here's the point. Do the right thing God's way. It's a really simple point. Do the right thing God's way. I had a situation I was facing in my life a few weeks ago. Um... I brought it before the Lord in prayer. I can't go into any details, but God said, okay, this is really, really simple. This is what I want you to do, and this is what I want you to say. It was just, you know, because I I can't talk about the thing, but I can can express it in what God said to me to do. What happened then was, this is what started to happen, a reaction in my own heart, my own life. But God... I want to justify my own actions and justify my own way. And that word, but, but, there. You know that, but, but? I started sounding like an underpowered motor, uh, moped. Yeah. I was, but, 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 but. I know the difference between a Triumph 750 and a moped. My brother had a Triumph, regional British Triumph 750. It just, 
roared. The difference was 700 horsepower. <laughs> that was the difference between 50 horsepower. But, you know, I was, I was sounding like, do, you know, do, we, do we often sound like butt butts? Do we, do we live in the land of butt 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 I started to sound like an underpowered moped. We will always look to blame someone else rather than admitting to any wrongdoing on our part. It's like there are two reactions that seem to surface within in us, and they are self-righteousness and self-justification. They'll just pop up. Hello? <laughs> Hello? Hello? See, Jesus is our righteousness. And he has justified us. He's made us holy by what he has done. See, people can be stirred by the Holy Spirit to real awareness of sin, yet rather than facing the truth about ourselves and acknowledging it as as sin, we justify our own actions and behaviour. I was in the land of butt-butt then, and butt-butt wasn't doing me any good, (laughs) because the Lord just asked me to do you know what I said you asked me to do. My, action, my reaction was an indication of what really was going on in my heart. Job 5, 17 and 18 says, Blessed is the man whom God corrects. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. For he wounds, but he also binds up. He injures, but his hands also heal. God had to deal with my heart and deal with something in me in my heart. And everything in me could have justified what had happened in that situation. Everything, every butt-butt that there was could have come up in that moment. We're reminded again in Hebrews 12, it says, And you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord's disciplines those he loves. And he punish everyone he accepts as his son. <clears throat> now this is, this is what the Lord said to me. In amongst of my butt-butts, right? in amongst of me having a bit old self, self-righteousness, all that kind of stuff coming up. All he said to me, for you have died, Gary, and your life is now hidden with, me, with Christ in me. Humble yourself, Gary, and do the right thing in the right way. Do the right thing in a right way. See, I could have justified my actions. I could have justified, you know, seven or eight years of time with a situation that went, you know, that went pear-shaped. I could have justified it all. And he just said, humble yourself. You know, I've been crucified for Christ. I no longer live. But the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of Man. See, God wasn't looking at my, me trying to justify it. He just said, Gary, this isn't about you. This is about the other person's freedom. Why are you butt-biting? This isn't about you. Do the right thing. Just do the right thing. Now, when I did that, who knows when you do the right thing in the right way? I saw tremendous breakthrough and victory. Absolutely, completely transformed. Yeah? But there's a little back bit of me at the back was going, but, 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 no, Gary, just leave it. I'll sort it. All I've asked you to do is that. Do you know what I'm saying here? So, you see, even if we have God's heart and the right desires, we still need to do it God's way. We still need to. It doesn't matter how long. Um, 
I'm just going to not just prove the point, but in scripture, I think, let's just look at the life of Jesus. See, Jesus did everything right in the right way. If you stand back and you look at everything that he did, everything was right in the right way. And John 5, verse 30, this is the Amplified. I was reading this this morning. I am able to... Um, I am able to do nothing from myself, independently of my own accord, but only as I am taught by God, and as I get, and as I have, and sorry, and as I get His orders. Even as I hear, I judge, I decide as I am bidden to decide. As the voice comes comes to me, so I give give a decision, and my judgment is just just and righteous because I do not seek or consult my own will. I have no desire to do what is pleasing to myself. Wow. My own aim, my own purpose, but only the will and pleasure of the Father who sent me. See, Jesus wasn't living in but land. But he was, he was doing everything in the right way. And we know in John 5.19, it says, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what the Father, his Father is doing. Because whatever the, fa- whatever the Father does, the Son does. Uh, son does. There, was, there was a point, and we all know that point, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And that point came to him. If there's another way, God. If there's another way, I don't have to go through what I need to go through. It's just, if there's just another way. And then he says, not my will, but your will be done. Not my way, God, but your way. See, the Father's way was going to cost everything to Jesus and everything of his son. See, the Father's way was different to what man was. And that way has opened up freedom, life, and breakthrough for everyone on the planet. But he wasn't living in that... In, he, now he come to that place. Turning back to um, verse 11, the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. I believe that for three months, David had realized that his way had led to, de- had led to the death of a man. Yeah? The word of God says many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord determines his steps. David had to ask, what is God's right way? What is God's right way? What steps do I need to take? And we see the answer in 1 Chronicles 15, 15. And it simply says, and the Levites carried the ark of God with the poles on their shoulders as Moses had commanded. Now listen to this. This is so simple. In accordance with the word of the Lord. So what is God's way? It's according to the word of the Lord. That's just as simple as it gets. It's according to the word of the Lord. If we live our lives according to the word of the Lord, we have done the right thing in a right way. Why your word is a lamp unto my heart, into my feet and a light into my path. In Job 23.11 says, My feet have closely followed his steps. I've kept to his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. 
I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. You see, God's ways are higher than our ways. His ways are better than ours. See, God is, and this is going to sound being contentious now, but it is for a purpose. God is as interested in how something is done as well as what is done. Let me put it in a simple way here. We're, we're preparing to go, this, to go to faith camp, <laughs> if you haven't realised it by now. We're preparing. You know, it's a tremendous blessing. You know, it's our last faith camp, but it's a new door of opportunity that's going to open after after. Glorious things. God's got for us. But we're preparing. I mean, everyone's on this mission. But you see, God's just, God's just as interested that we, that we keep our, our attitudes right, that we keep our relationships right, in other, you know, the other, in other words, the end does not justify the means. Oh, we got there. We all got to camp, but half of us are all got busted relationships. That's not God's way. We've got, you know, pressure and strength, but we, you know, we, um, there's no condemnation in that at all in any way. But, you know, see, God's, God's interested in the whole part of the journey. It's not just the end goal. He's interested in what, how, we, how we are with each other. Do you get that, yeah? Do you understand that? So as we, as we go through this journey, what's going to keep us is living according to the word of the That's Lord. It. What's going to keep us? There's a narrow way. I, th- I think Simon spoke about it on Sunday. I haven't listened yet, Simon. But, you know, there's a door. There's a big, wide, wide door, and there's a narrow door. And his word is the narrow way. His word is the way that we need to walk in. Don't look at the end goal just as the end goal. God's interested in the whole process, that we do the right thing with each other. We speak life, we encourage one another, we stand for one another, we don't moan, we don't criticise, you know, whatever that may mean. Yes, we have conversations, yes, we're real, yes, we're open, but that means we, we will do the right thing in the right way. Yeah? The point of this is very simple. <laughs> are we willing to trust God to do things his way? That's the point. Are we willing? Are we willing to trust God to do things his way? We don't need to try and manipulate people or circumstances to get what we want. In other words, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever covers quite a lot of things for me, basically everything. Whatever we do, so how we love one another is a reflection how we love Jesus. How we love one another, how we, how we help one another is that reflect. Whatever we do before the Lord, for the Lord, he is interested in every part, not just the end game. We know, I don't want to speak presumption and negative, we know there's going to be tremendous breakthroughs. We know there's going to be fantastic things that God's going to do, continue to do at camp and, through, you know, and after camp and through the seasons of time, but not at the expense of our relationships. And if he's putting his hand on anything, I don't live in the land of butt-butts there. If he's putting his hand on anything, you know, don't. He's given his word. We've got, we've got instruction we can do. Can I really take part in this activity for God's glory? Will God's name be glorified through what I do? Mm. 
important question. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. All your ways. I'm finding that I'm being thrown into so many different things that I don't feel prepared for and I'm going, God, help me. I need you. Now, all of this we know we can't, we can't live this out without the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not, we're, not, we're not like Uzzah, the strength of man. We have the strength of God inside us. We have Christ Jesus inside us. And this whole month is, you know, has been about, there's also you know, about the whole, you know, the working of the Holy Spirit. We cannot achieve what God wants us to achieve in our own might. We have to do it in the power of Holy Spirit in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your your path straight you see when I talked about that personal situation what I was actually saying is in there the Lord just said to me Gary you're dead stop the arguing you're dead I don't want to hear I don't want to hear a dead man talking to me now because I've I've been crucified you know I've crucified you with me I don't want to hear a dead man the life that you have now you have in me you know, and then it was, it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm putting, so I'm putting my hands up in my own heart here. So not, not, not for anyone. But if it helps anyone, if you're in the land of Batbat today, you can change that. Blessed are, Psalm 128 one says, blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. Now we're going back to verse 12 now. Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. He's learnt his lesson now. He's rejoicing. He is, he's, he's now got it. Now David is confident, not in his ways, but in God's way. David is now doing the right thing in the right way. Yeah, he's confident now. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might, while he and his entire house uh, and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and sound, sounds of trumpets. It's a tough lesson to learn. He learned it. You know, he learned it a tough way. He saw a man die. He saw a man reach out in his strength to try and save God or to irreverently touch the ark. But we need to keep ourselves free of stuff that's going to contaminate us. Yeah, we've got to, we got to walk in, in grace. Can Rory and, and the band, could you guys come up? I was going to say Rory's band. Just going to finish this off now. Psalm 86.11 Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. See, we're going through lots of different stuff, all of us. But you're you will be blessed when you do things God's way.
right way, the right steps. You'll be blessed if you do it according to the word. It's not rocket science this morning. It's really, really simple. Amplified version. It says, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk and live in your truth. Direct my heart to fear your name with awe-inspired reverence and submissive wonder. Isn't that wonderful? Teach me your way. As we're going into this next season, we don't want to do the Frank Sinatra's, I did it my way. <laughs> the most played out song at a funeral that's probably ever in this country is I did it my way. But we want to do it God's way. What's God's way for you? You might be facing some things, some internal things in your heart. If you've got some but, 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 buts there that you want to justify yourself for self-righteousness, if you've got relationship things and amongst us as a team, we need to sort out and get sorted out. You can't go but, 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 but because I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. I didn't have an option other than to, I could have, I could have stayed there and God, God would have went, just waiting, Gary, just waiting for you, just waiting for you to, to come to, you know, I'm not going to bow, Gary. You need to bow. You need to put your heart right. You need to do what I've told you to do. You see, when we, when we do that, we let go of our right to be in control. And God takes the steering wheel. And he's the one that's steering it. He's, he's the one that's in the driving seat. Why? Because we're trusting him. We're trusting the Lord with all our heart, believing not our own understanding. Okay, should we just stand? Let's just worship it again. Father, I just thank you. Father, I thank you that we can't do any of this in our own strength. But Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that you're interested in every single part of the journey. It's not just about the end game. It's about how we relate, how we love, how we care, how we talk to one another on this journey. And Father, I thank you for the spirit of truth, the spirit of grace. For any of us that are living in that but but land, Lord. Father, I thank you for repentance and faith. I thank you that you're not asking us to do anything other than what you're asking us to do. I just thank you, Father, for your grace and your incredible patience to us. Lord, we lift you. We exalt your name. Let's just worship him now. Just worship him. faithful and true to forgive us if there are any buts that we've got in a sense but Lord, but Lord, but Lord, but Lord I don't want to if he finds this self-righteous things and self-justification 
carrying any attitudes of those things. Just ask the Lord for forgiveness right now. like David prayed teach me your your way teach me your way O Lord and I will walk in your truth give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name Father we praise you Father we thank you we thank you that your mercies are new every morning Father you're faithful and true Father, we thank you for any cleansing, for the power of that blood today. But Father, we thank you that we can walk in your way. As we walk in your way, we walk in the Word, Lord God, by the power of the Holy Spirit today. We walk in truth, we walk in light, we walk in forgiveness, we walk in grace. Because we're walking in your Word, we're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. We walk in relationship with you, we walk in relationship with one another. Father, we thank you for the tremendous confidence that we have as children of the living God as we walk with you. Father, help us to keep on that highway of holiness. Help us always to walk in the narrow way of your word and not in the wide way of the world. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, Amen. Let's just thank Him. Just praise Him. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.